Good day and welcome to the Frontline Cheddar Podcast. My name is Jaren Gibson with uh, co-host Andrew Morgan. Uh, Happy New Year, Andrew. How was your uh, your holidays? Super. And Happy New Year to you too, Jaren. It was a great break. I didn't work for about nine days and it was wonderful. I did not want to go back in today or on Monday. I'll be very, very honest to say I was dreading going back. Normally I'm running down the driveway clicking my heels away from the children, but I actually had a really good time. So, uh, you know, and you, did you have a good time? I had a good time, but uh, I had a really busy fourth quarter, so I worked a lot of it, um, except for a little bit. Um, but no, it was good. Um, back to work you know, yesterday, um, kind of sidetracked with, with kids, because uh, I got the kids home with me today. <laughs> yes, you can hear the youngest in the background, yeah. but uh, it was a good time, and you know, just happy to be back at it, and um, happy we're in 2016, and happy to have our guest on today for our, our year um, in EUC, so we have uh, we have Thomas and Case on again with us. How are you guys doing? Don't speak all at doing once. Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, same here. Same here. New year, new start, more sleepless nights. Uh, and yourself and Thomas are both in that boat, so uh, my commiserations and congratulations at the same time to you, gentlemen. To you, gentlemen. So uh, yeah, anyway, to, to kick things off, I won't hand back to Jerry until he's managed to wrangle up the kids and put them in some kind of playpen. <laughs> there, uh, we had a really big year last year in 2015, and rather than do it this month in the UC, because let's be honest, not very much happened in December because most people were too busy partying. Uh, we're going to look back at the year as a whole and look at uh, 2015. So I mean, kicking things off, I mean, if we look at our key themes back from 2015 in the UC. I mean, there's no avoiding hyperconverged. It was just an explosion. And our good friend Case here, I'm sure, has lots to say about hyperconverged for 2015. Sure. First of all, you're welcome for the explosion. Uh, I, I, I was happy to uh, to uh, have some impact on that as well. Um, no, so <clears throat> 2015 was um, another big year for hyperconverged. Um, I think we saw a lot of um, a lot of players stepping up, um, Nutanix defending its ground, um, but we're we're seeing a lot of uh, good stuff from uh, from uh, competing um, vendors as well. Uh, looking at uh, VSAN, for example, um, <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of traction or a lot of um, noise coming from uh, from the guys from Atlantis, uh, Simplicity. And um, I'm I'm seeing rumors about Cisco stepping into the the hyperconverged market as well. Um, again, I think it's a it's a fairly big market share to gain, um, where most of the competitors of of, of uh, hyperconverged play are are just the, the legacy stuff like EMC, um, um, EMC and NetApp and and like the more traditional three tier uh, systems. So um, um, a lot of movement, a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of features coming out, and that's the beauty of uh, of the hyperconverged solution. It's it's that it's software defined, so we can just add more features uh, just based on uh, on the software. And yeah, um, one of the one of the big announcements in that arena today was that uh, Cisco is going to OEM SpringPath for their uh, entry into the hyperconverged market. I, I take it they're going to take that software and apply it to their UCS uh, blade infrastructure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's good. It, it's good to see that everything is moving forward. I mean, from my own conversations in Ireland, I mean, we're normally 
at least a year behind everybody else, but there was there was no avoiding the hyperconverged conversation, at least with customers. Um, they're all looking at it. Many people I spoke to were kicking the tires of vSAN, uh, interested in Nutanix, looking at that. A lot of a lot of people keenly watching what Atlantis are going to do next. So it's uh, you know it's 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 a good it's a good propellant market at the moment. Um, Thomas, are you seeing much traction with vSAN at the moment? Because for me, it's mostly been t- tire kicking. Uh, for vSAN, uh, yeah, I would agree. It's mostly tire kicking. Um, I was actually in a room at VMworld with several several of their key EUC partners, and uh, somebody asked the group, you know, who's actually done Horizon on vSAN, and uh, I think maybe three three hands went up in the room, and then um, somebody asked of those of those partners who actually sold sold it, and all three hands went down saying that they lost every time on price, which was very interesting. They said that the performance of vSAN did just fine, but uh, they they went up against an all flash or another uh, or another hyperconverged platform, and the price just didn't make sense. So. Um, I think we're going to start seeing more of it now in the new with the new version of vSAN uh, coming out late last year. It'll maybe start to pick up some traction, but no, I haven't seen much of it in the wild yet. Well, the, <clears throat> one of the things that interests me about the um, uh, going back to the the, the Cisco uh, OEM deal with SpringPath is that I'm wondering about the, um, uh, the relationship with SimpliVity that Cisco has at this moment. I know that a lot of um, uh, simplicity deals are going on with the with the Cisco infrastructure, um, being them those two um, vendors having a strong agreement on on selling hyperconverged, and now Cisco goes after uh, uh, SpringPath. So, what does that mean for their relationship? Um, and and how would that? I mean, how how is that? So, what are your thoughts about that, guys? What, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts on on? Moving, moving forward with Spring Paul. So uh, yeah, I, I just made a comment there. Um, in regards to, to you know Cisco uh, playing fair with with SimpliVity and uh, SpringPath as well. I mean, the same could could actually be argued of Dell and Nutanix as well. Would that be fair, case? Because I mean, obviously with Dell's acquisition of EMC, they've opened themselves up to a whole load of, load of new tools as well. So um, yeah. I, I think there's a slight difference um, in terms of that Dell doesn't have um, um, a, so. Dell with EMC, they don't have uh, a, t- a typically uh, hyperconverged play, whereas uh, Cisco SimpliVity and Cisco SpringPath would be uh, both hyperconverged plays, right? So it's a, it's it's a, um, I can't I can't already say a replacement, but it sounds like a, like a replacement of the the previous partnership. Yeah, I want. Yeah, to add I would some... agree. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Jaren. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I wanted to add, too, that I've seen some issues also with uh, with VCN 6 and, and Zen Desktop, specifically with uh, MCS. And it was, I believe it's in the current version of 7.6. Um, I saw it during the tech preview for the app disk stuff. And then I also, it's still in the 7.7 RTM that just got released as well. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, Microsoft as well, you know, when Server 2016 becomes official... Uh, interesting to see how that is because that's going to be pretty much built into the addition of uh, the operating system. So um, that should possibly get some up- uptake based on that and just the features they're adding to it. Yeah, I was going to say uh, also I think it's very interesting, you know, your comment, Case, about, uh, you know, the SpringPath uh, 
Spring Path partnership and then also having a relationship with SimpliVity. I also uh, I think it's interesting how both Nutanix and SimpliVity are signing up with major hardware vendors. You know, Nutanix signed up with Dell and then later signed up with Lenovo. And then SimpliVity also signed up with Lenovo. It seems like um, they're using those manufacturers to kind of spread their reach, which I think is a very good strategy. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree on that. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, looking at the the, 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 like the market shifting for from a Nutanix perspective, we also, we offered um, the super micro hardware only. Um, then we did the OEM deal with Dell, which opened up a lot of data centers, obviously. And um, well, Lenovo is, a, is is one of the bigger um, x86 uh, server suppliers in, um, in in a lot of regions, especially uh, APAC. Um, so it's a it's a good way to uh, to open up the doors to different data centers as well. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of movement, obviously, as we mentioned in 2015. I mean, the the amount of vendors jumping into this space, the amount of software providers um, like um, like VMware and Microsoft and all jumping into the space, really just validates the market and kind of shows that you know Nutanix have uh, have defined themselves a little market and and are now being actively chased by partners. So it's great to see. I think 2016 is going to um, is going to be further in in hyperconverged as it starts to become even commodity or it becomes a you know a de facto requirement of uh, of storage providers. So yeah, let, let's see how that one goes. But it was definitely a, a big theme for 2015. Um, the other big theme, obviously, from an EUC point of view, was app refactoring. Uh, and by that, I mean layering. I mean, Liquidware Labs, FS Logix, <laughs> Citrix coming in, VMware in the space, uh, Unidesk. Uh, you know, there, there are, and even then, not just with layering, you have the likes of VMware's Project A Squared as well um, coming into the space. Layering was definitely a trend for 2015. And um, it's. Uh, it, I, I, would it be fair to say it all stems kind of from the app volumes piece, or would you go further back to Unidesk, guys? I would say the acquisition of app volumes, or well, cloud volumes, as they really renamed to be app volumes. I, I would say that's kind of what brought attention to the space. I mean, a lot of these players were already in that space before, um, but it didn't seem like it, there was a lot of market uh, mind share. Uh, but then when VMware stepped up and bought uh, cloud volumes, it seemed like it legitimized the space. And now we're seeing a lot more focus in that area. Um, I think it's that. And having a, a product that's really simple and easy to use helps too in, in, in terms of adoption. And um, So when I when I compare uh, app volumes to other solutions on the market, app volumes is, a, is really straightforward. Um, it, it does the job and it has a couple of advantages um, and also disadvantages um, looking at other players. I mean, um, uh, App Volumes is really, like I said, really easy to use. It, it gets the job done. It has a little bit more flexibility than um, than other players. But then again, you, you pay extra as well. So um, pros and cons for everything. Uh, but I, I do think that um, having that simplicity in your solution uh, um, adds to uh, uh, drawing the attention to uh, to a solution. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you there, Case. I mean, it is a it is a simple solution. We've spoken about uh, app layering quite a bit in the last year in, on this uh, on this podcast and the benefits of it. So I'm not going to kind of rehash that conversation. But I'd agree. You know, app volumes is probably the the market leader right there at the moment. Um, I've seen some interest personally with customers in app volumes. Sometimes it kind of falls down 
particularly in active active data center scenarios where you're, you, it seems to still be missing that last kind of puzzle piece to make everything seamless. There is there is a little bit of manual copy that you know most with most people you could probably be to be expected. And Citrix's app disk itself, I I don't think well either either with FS Logic, I think Liquidware Labs are probably the only one who are close enough to to being able to challenge some of the the feature sets there. But um, it's definitely one for for administrators to be watching out for next year because I think it's going to again shift into just a, a requirement and vendors will will go ahead with that too you know um so i mean it's it's not it's not an all out play if that's fair to say and we'll leave a squared till a little later cuz we're obviously going to talk about that with VMware but it's it's not an all out play it, it is a it is a use case but it, you know as as all of us would probably echo getting applications working in your virtual desktop environment is, is 90% of the work, you know, the actual standing up of the environment is, is the easy bit. So anything that, that we can use like this to, to make the, 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 the task at hand simpler is, is always welcomed, you know, so. It's also going to be interesting uh, to see yeah. what uh, Unidesk is going to do because I'm sure you guys saw the tweets of the hints about Unidesk uh, having an announcement next week at, at Summit. So it's going to be good to see um, what they do this year and, and the, the changes they're going to announce next week. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything about it. I'm just gonna say, you know, look forward to their announcement next week, and uh, it should be a good year for Unidesk. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And you know, the thing about the Unidesk as well is uh, they've been around a very long time, and they do things their own way, and they're totally cool with that. They 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 write good software. The Microsoft, obviously, when we had uh, when we had the product manager. For for Microsoft or the S on Unidesk came up in conversation as well. So they are bridging partnerships. I've seen a couple of blog posts now by Ron Oglesby around kind of you can cut out the, the more expensive kind of brokers like Citrix um, or ZenApp or ZenDesktop and uh, VMware Horizon to uh, by just leveraging RDS. Now personally, it's a bit tongue in cheek for me because we all know the challenges around scalability and brokers and Microsoft and some of the user experience kind of mishaps you can have in that scenario, but. But obviously, 2016 is a new platform that uh, looks to be uh, helping with that situation. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it, it's good to see lots of vendors there. If from an AEC point of view, it's another one to watch for. So if you're not familiar with that space, definitely jump in. Um, is it safe to say, gentlemen, that 2015 was the year of the Linux desktop? Because I mean, people have been throwing that around for quite some time, and let's be honest, it never really happens. But two of our biggest vendors in our space decided to support it. What are our thoughts? Isn't that just uh, the year of the introduction of the Linux desktop? I mean, how many Linux desktops have you deployed already? Two in my lab. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, sure, um, both Citrix and, and VMware uh, announced support for Linux desktops. Uh, and I do see a lot of market share for Linux desktops, especially in oil and gas. Um, but the question is, how usable is it at this moment? And, and how many desktops are we deploying with, with this specific um, feature? For me, for me, or the interest I've seen with customers have mainly been the customers who aren't willing to spend that much, or have a very, very simple use case, or are familiar or au fait with Linux. And by that, I mean kind of you know low cost retail or uh, or education is where the interest has been. And we I do have an active project on at the moment with a, with a retailer who are looking to do Zen app on kind of CentOS for their for their their task workers, where you know. 
an email client and a bit of editing software in a browser will probably do it. Um, so yeah, that, that's the interest I've seen personally. Now, obviously, yeah, you're dead right. Citrix and VMware are targeting the GPU slash oil and gas market with this one. I mean, they're probably just fed up of been asking at this point, when can we have Linux support that they decided to do it? Uh, uh, Thomas, I mean, from a VMware point of view, have you seen much interest in, in Horizon support for this? You know, I've I've been asked by companies in the past uh, that have developer use cases. Um, when is when are, when is VMware going to support Linux desktops? But since since it's been released, um, you'll notice that there are quite a few features still missing, uh, like composition of desktops, you know, single image management, things like that, uh, that are still kind of holding it back. I think. Um, in the rec- most recent release, they um, added you know clipboard redirection, single sign-on, some of those some of those little things that you're, that you're used to seeing in Windows, which I think will, will help. But for me, I think the composition of the desktops is still a pretty big challenge that they need to solve. Yeah, I would I would agree too. You know, being able to have the deployment of the desktops, the image management piece. Um, it's something that they need, to, they need to solve as well. You know, Citrix did have Linux support in PBS way back, you know, when and in the recent releases they've taken it away. Um, but I've seen some interest in it, um, especially, you know, like I said, oil and gas, education, um, offshore development stuff. Um, but, you know, I think people are kind of waiting, because most of mine have been on Citrix, where, they, you know, today they don't support Ubuntu and they don't have the GPU stuff. So I think, you know, my customers that are Citrix-based are waiting on you know, more um, flavor support of Linux and also the GPU support. Fair enough. Okay, so yeah, it's it's an issue case at the moment, and there does seem to be some interest, but it's not uh, it's not the kind of hail mary play that that uh, some people may want for Linux desktops, or it's not a a brand new use case that people are going to be jumping on board this year, if that's fair to say. Okie dokie. So. Um, with uh, obviously 2015 was obviously a big year for GPU, um, but despite the fact that Thomas Poppelgart and gang have been banging on about this technology for some time now, fair play to them. Um, you know, uh, NVIDIA, uh, you know, Grid and VGPU has become very prevalent. Lots of questions. I'm seeing a lot of it in the wild. A lot of people who are starting to ask me about it as opposed to having to bring it up in conversation. Um, what, what's the thoughts out there? Case, uh, you know, obviously Nutanix support um, VGPU and some of their models. I mean, what, what kind of uptake do you see? Uh, uh, definitely a large uptake. Um, I think I, I, um, I talk to customers on an almost daily basis on, on, on the topic of GPU and VGPU. Um, obviously, the release of vSphere 6 was a, was a big thing for, uh, for VGPU-supported desktops. Um, because well, SenseOver was uh, was <clears throat> the only hypervisor who could do it um, uh, previously before the release of Feature Six, um, and then um, adding adding the the um, uh, VGPU support in Feature Six made 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 the VGPU questions or inquiries for from my perspective go go crazy, um, like really really uh, really big uptake. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, uh, like you said, Andrew, instead of us having to bring it up, um, you know, people are starting to ask about it pretty pretty regularly now. Um, the especially the the K one K two, starting to ask about that quite a bit. What I think will be interesting to to watch in the next year is the Grid two platform and see how adoption goes there. 
um, with the with the new licensing model and the um, separating software from hardware. Um, I think that should be uh, kind of interesting to to watch. I don't think the K1 and K2 are going to go anywhere anytime soon, but um, for those that need the more dense uh, servers, uh, more dense users to server ratio, I guess I should say, um, they're going to have to step up, and it'll be interesting to see if they are willing to pay that price. Yeah, so, you know, moving along from, uh, you know, vGPU and, you know, talking about things like enterprise mobility management, MDM, MAM, that kind of stuff, um, you know, you're kind of seeing Microsoft being being the front runners with it, um, you know, with, with Intune and the stuff, stuff they're doing across the different uh, device platforms. And, you know, every vendor is going to need to bridge that gap between just, you know, your, your iOS and Android and Windows devices to... To go into full full Windows desktop management, you know Mac management, you know etc. I think they need to to get that bridge sooner than later. And you're seeing things out there. Um, Microsoft's doing it. Um, the latest version of Zen Mobile, you know, they have some support for Mac. Um, they're doing expanded Windows support with Windows 10. Um, but I still think they need to to bridge, you know, MDM, MAM, EMM into the whole virtual desktop application space and kind of use that as the the management layer for the endpoints, um, for the you know the devices, even for the the virtual de- desktops and applications as well. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd I'd agree with you there. I think Microsoft is a, is a big player to watch this year, and he's actually uh, Microsoft as a, as a, as a male for some reason. As I said, he, but Microsoft as a is is a player to watch in all of these spaces. If I'm brutally honest, because it, they're starting to emerge as a bit of a dark horse and maybe even slightly a competitor. If um if you if I'd uh, be as bold to say that their their in tune piece is is getting going from strength to strength. Uh, you know, Azure is is picking up an in interest, and obviously with that comes more stuff. You know, it's it's all very very interesting um, to see what they're going to do. Uh, personally, I mean, from a Zen Mobile point of view, uh, I thought 2015 was a good year for Zen Mobile, um, given that you know the version 10 software came out. Uh, personally, I ran through an experience of resetting up Zen Mobile again, and it, it's it's not the the bag of spaghetti junction and chewing gum and best intentions it used to be it's it, it's a lot more solid you know you can get through the wizards probably on first pass now and have a working environment by the end of it if you've got your firewall rules in place you know it's it's good um do i think the works apps are evolving as quickly as they should no um i mean customers i come across out there using mobile iron um mobile iron isn't a great solution don't get me wrong but it's hard to unroot them unless the solution that you're trying to replace it with is uh is um is rock solid and well not even rock solid but feature rich and some of the some of the challenges I'm having as well with with um the Office three six five slash Intune slash Microsoft land is OneDrive for business is killing me when I try to I try to shine through the, the share file piece which I think is the jewel in the crown of their of their mobile management uh, strategy. So yeah there's there's lots happening in the space. I don't think it's a it's a sexy and exciting market personally. I think it's just be, kind of become a, a market that most companies have to consider or have to think about. Um, but it's it's definitely one we're going to be talking about for next year uh, with with some innovations coming from from Microsoft and you know VMware as well as we mentioned with A squared. One one thing I'm, I find interesting in the in the Intune offering from Microsoft is that um, it's it's getting obvious that Microsoft has a as a cloud for strategy um, they had have had that for for uh, for years now. But shifting that to like the whole um, enterprise mobility stuff is 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 paying off for them. 
having having this cloud first, let's develop it there first, and then push it out. Um, it, it made them kind of um, the most innovative vendor in the, in this in this space, and uh, we're seeing we're seeing Citrix following, uh, VMware following. So um, I think their strategy to have that cloud first for EMM as well um, really paid off for them. I would agree. I'm seeing a huge uptick in the interest in Microsoft Intune just because of customers already own it in their Office 365 subscription. Uh, that was a brilliant move by Microsoft to just add that in there. So it's making it difficult to uh, unseat that uh, with AirWatchers and mobile or whatever. Um, but uh, what's what I think is going to be interesting to watch is uh, both Microsoft and VMware are trying to convince us that Windows 10 should be managed like a mobile device. And uh, I'll be interested to see if that actually does take off. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think that the use case for, for Windows being managed by, by an enterprise mobility management product, just it really satisfies that group policy slash network connected uh, requirement that Windows management currently has today. I know there's, there's forefront servers and all that kind of crazy crap you can do at Microsoft, but I mean, how many people are actually using and leveraging that? Whereas if you have a kind of a web slash cloud first solution for managing devices, why, why wouldn't your Windows clients also fall under that structure? So I think it's a, I think it's a great, it's a great spot. It's a great one to watch for, and Windows 10 is obviously going to help adopt that greatly. So, yeah, I, I completely echo that, Tom. Or, and yeah, let's let's see what happens. Um, so that's uh, that's EMM, obviously. And then you know, UEM was just one other thing that I wanted to pop in here because you know, UEM had an explosion a couple of years ago. Everybody was talking about it, and now this year the, the vendors have gone very very quiet. I think, but. There's still uh, there's still obviously great traction here, you know, from from things I'm seeing coming back from Norscale, they're doing very very well. Amedio was obviously acquired by VMware as well. Uh, haven't don't really know what happened to AppSense. I mean, they were so prevalent, and then bang, they've just gone quiet. It's like they've they've sucked back up into their shell, and they're they're having to think about it again because I I don't see them out there in the market space. But uh, I think UEM for me was was a big one because it's it's kind of become just a, a you know a, a a warranted need for customers. I I've seen anyway in 2015. It, it's no longer a case of can we afford to add this extra value. It's kind of we we can't we need this. Which product should we choose? Would that be would, would you agree with that, Tom or Case? Yeah, I would, I've seen a a lot of up a lot of interest in UEM this year. Um, you know, and and I actually I do see quite a bit of interest in absence where I am. Um, I don't know if that's just a regional thing. You know, maybe uh, they've got a stronger presence here. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, it's it's definitely becoming instead of a nice to have, it's also it's almost becoming a need now because we need to capture all those application settings. We need to uh, personalize those desktops, whether it's a virtual desktop, a physical desktop, or an RDS server. So um, those things are becoming um, table stakes now, almost. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm, you know, I'm seeing more and more of of uh, RDS software, or RDS, whatever you want to call it, um, from the stuff I do with uh, my my previous employer, Choice Solutions, from the stuff they're doing. Um, you know, for me, I'm still doing, you know, kind of the out of the box stuff, keep an eye on, on the space, you know, have looked at, uh, North scale and, you know, for most Citrix environments that are using, you know, profile management that want something next, it's usually, you know, North scales and an obvious, uh, approach to it. So they're not having to do a forklift of stuff, but 
you know, it's going to be kind of interesting. You know, you know, VMware did buy Amedio for for their solution, so it'll be interesting to see if Citrix does anything um, to further enhance profile management. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that is that um, maybe it's um, like like Thomas said, maybe it's something regional um, because I'm in the Netherlands and uh, Res is a is a Dutch company, but um, the last four or five years I've been doing. Um, uh, UEM projects. So UEM was always integrated in the, in the solution. Um, so I've been doing a lot of UEM and, um, I'll echo your words, um, that UEM is, is, um, a need to have component. It's no longer a want to have, it's a, it's a need to have must have. Um, and, um, hopefully, so, um, the market isn't really innovating anymore, but I think it's maturing at this moment. I'd agree with you there, Case. I don't think the market is innovating, and I think a lot of the companies are trying to figure out what they're going to do with Windows 10, if that's fair. Uh, I, I personally, I'm, a, I'm an RES fanboy. I, I do RES in 90% of my implementations, and I do it because it works, and it works well, and it does it well. Uh, but that's not to say the other solutions don't. It's just a personal preference. I think Thomas hit the, hit the nail on the head there. Now. I mean, with the proliferation of devices and the connectivity options and the connectivity paths and where people are coming from, it was something that Harry Labana said last year as well. You know, you need, and Sean also said it too, you, you need to, you need to, be prepared to switch settings, styles, working tasks, all that kind of stuff based on where the user is coming from and on, on, on what device. And uh, yeah, like Jerry, and I'd love to see uh, Citrix get a little more aggressive in the space, but I fear sometimes that their, their relationship with Microsoft will hold them back in that regard. Um, so anyway, that's that's UEM. I mean, so if we, if we look to... Um, if we look to, to our specific vendors that we work with mostly, um, I, I'm going to start off with Citrix anyway. I mean, Citrix had a big year in 2015. Big, not necessarily for good reasons. Um, there's been a lot of upheaval in Citrix. I mean, obviously, Elliot um, shook the proverbial tree uh, this year uh, by sending that, that letter uh, you know, via registered and it got online. And it, it was quite challenging towards Citrix's strategies. Um, since then, obviously, Mark Templeton has moved on as well and a replacement has come up. Uh, or an acting replacement, at least for now. Um, but you know, it's not all bad. You know, I mean, because uh, there have been some some good acquirements of staff, like Christian Riley. Uh, I've been a fan of Christian Riley for a long, long time. Expectel now working as a as a as a CTO in Citrix. He's a, he's very cloud focused. He's a very very smart guy. If you, if you ever have a chance to follow him on Twitter or have a look, even over his three or four year old blog posts now, they're still relevant to this day. Um, it's yeah no it's uh, it's very very interesting. Before I move on to anything else, does anybody want to throw in anything about what we said so far? Yeah, Andrew, um, about the, the the cloud focus of of Christian, um, I think you're seeing we're seeing his uh, his hand already in uh, in a lot of the um, in a lot of the the, the, the innovations that Citrix are doing. Um, just look at the latest releases. There was uh, CWC. There were uh, cloud browser service. Um, uh, CLM was was released, and I'm um, I'm not saying that it was Christian's um, like he was the only one working on this, or he was the, the 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 architect behind this. But you know, there's a there's a definitely a movement to more openness within Citrix, and um, that's one of the reasons why we're uh, as Nutanix are able to uh, to get some support for AHV uh, Acropolis Hypervisor in MCS, and that's just because there's a provisioning SDK. And that's something that Citrix was lacking for years now. 
So that's um, I'm not sure if that's Christian, but I de I'm definitely liking it. I'd agree there. There has definitely been a, a cultural shift. I mean, even the the, the most recent CDP meeting um, was structured completely differently to CDP meetings that I'd, I'd experienced previously. A lot of open-ended questions, a lot of, uh, a lot of red card, green cards, a lot of polls, a lot of uh, thoughts on, on product ideas and roadmap ideas. It was, it was good to see. Um, but I suppose, I mean, that, there, there, were, there were some stuff that, that we saw come out you know, towards the end of, end of last year. And uh, you know, it's, I, I hate to highlight the layoffs, obviously, because you know, it's not nice to think about people losing their jobs, but there was a considerable round of layoffs in Citrix this year that um, you know, any company is healthy to lay off at times but I don't think Citrix did it for, for healthy reasons uh, and then of course we've got you know the, the, the late coming options like uh, AppDisk um, Netscaler containers um, as Case mentioned the AHV support I mean for the tax customers that's going to be huge uh, two things we haven't really seen anything from since since mentioned at the start of the year were Sam Bollock and Workspace Pod. Uh, Workspace Pod obviously being kind of like an interconnected hardware solution with, with using Sam Bollock below as storage and all that kind of stuff. And then Sam Bollock obviously had a release as well, but it's still running on Windows. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen next year with that. But they've kind of been kind of been shrouded and quiet. I mean, has anybody seen or heard anything about these solutions? No, it, it's been you know kind of a, a quiet year. You know. Like I said, just the release of Sambolic, you know, Workspace Pod, there was a bunch of buzz about it at Summit last year. Hopefully we see, you know, some more at Summit here next week about it. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what the direction of those products are with with uh, the refocus and, you know, the things that they're, they're doing now. So um, hopefully they're still doing something with it. I think, I think Workspace Pod is a good bridge in the Workspace Cloud, you know, buy Workspace Cloud, ready Workspace Pod, and, you know, hook them up and go with lifecycle management. So... Hoping to hear something about that or, or seeing what they're going to do next week. Yeah, from from what I what I understand and what I heard is that Workspace Pod. I mean, it was a white glove program, right? So um, I'm not sure if there's a lot of um, um, like revamp focus with uh, with all the layoffs and restructuring within Citrix. Um, so I'm I'm not completely sure about that right now. Um, looking at Symbolic, I think they just released a new version. Um, and I saw some comments on Twitter going um, or, or saying that Symbolic would be integrated in SenseOver in the Dumb Zero. Um, so that would that would be interesting having SenseOver with Symbolic in, in Dumb Zero. Definitely one to watch for, and that was it was going to be a point I was going to hit on later on to do kind of things to watch from Citrix. Uh, but yes, uh, integration into DOM zero is where I see Symbolic really coming to life with Zen Server, uh, and I hope it makes it that way. Uh, Workspace Hub obviously wasn't on my list originally, but that's something that I'm closely watching as well. Obviously, I personally have an interest in the thin client market, and I think Workspace Hub is so clever. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that next year. Uh, and then, of course, we had Zen Desktop 7.7 land last week or the week before. Uh, I haven't had much time to play with the lab since release, but I, I did lab the the, the tech preview. Um, obviously, some of the you know the big one was the zones return, but I mean to be honest, they're not really zones, so I really don't think they should have used that wording. But you know, as 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 uh, as has been said a number of times by the Citrus themselves, this is the first step into it, not the not the end step into it. So it's it's one to watch at the moment, and it may satisfy three or four use cases out there, but it's not it's not the zones that we need and want. Localhost cache. Localhost cache came up frequently, and it comes it up is. frequently. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that we need to do. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's something that 
needs to needs to be looked at. But anyway, I mean, the key things to watch this year, Jarian, from Citrix's point of view, is there anything you, you, you think we should be watching for? Um, so, yeah, we saw with 7.7, you know, they finally added actual email alerting into to director. So it, it's good to see that come back since the, the days of Edge site. Um, also, we'll be good to see how much further that goes um, as they further enhance monitoring with director and what else they do. Gotcha. You know, I'd agree. I mean, from a monitoring point of view, director absolutely needed those um, needed those function features and functions. Um, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and you know, I, I'd still I'd still wonder whether director is to be all and end all, or whether Citrix should do something more. Because I'm not a I'm not a not a massive fan of director. From brutally honest, I mean, I've I've seen under the covers, and what what I saw under the covers scared me back into my bed. So it's um, yeah, no, it's it is what it is. You know, I mean, obviously the the other one to watch for as well is Workspace Cloud. I mean, Citrix released it last year. Uh, it's it's an interesting uh, use case. It's completely different for Citrix to do. I think what they've done, they've done well um so far but I, I think as citrix innovate and bring and come up with new ideas we're going to see it popping in there first just like we did with with um zones zones are in workspace cloud a long time before the 7.7 release actually happened so workspace cloud from a citrix point of view is definitely definitely one to watch would you guys agree with that how about adoption of uh, workspace cloud are you guys seeing anything uh on those on that front I am. I'm, I'm actually having a couple of conversations with customers looking at CWC. Um, of course, they, they want to run the, the, the workload on-prem, uh, but having the, the, um, the infrastructure, the control plane in the cloud, um, somehow that's a, that's a very compelling story to uh, add to what we're doing with the whole invisible infrastructure thing. Yeah, I'd echo that. It's it's an interesting play. It's um, I think the licensing leaves a lot to be desired, personally. Um, but I I do see I do see why this solution could um, could really great interaction. I do have a couple of customers looking at it, but they're mainly customers who were you know using VDI in a box or small little implementations. Um, uh, the the gap at the moment, obviously, is the Netscaler piece and how you get over that escalator piece because you still need that locally and then how do you interoperate and interplug but yeah no it's it's definitely one to watch i definitely think for the version one that was dropped it's it's really good and it shows it shows serious promise so uh, i'm uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that one um so anyway look i don't want to ramble on about citrix for too long because we've got other major vendors we need to talk about uh thomas vmware's here what do you think yeah, I mean, uh, it was a huge year for VMware. Um, possibly one of the one of the biggest years for them in the EUC space. Um, we saw a ton of improvements in the Horizon product. Um, I think VMware View was officially renamed Horizon uh, maybe late last year, early this year. Um, so in the Horizon portfolio now, you've got uh, the former VMware View with. Uh, with the virtual desktops, but they also expanded, you know, in 2014 and improved upon the feature in 2015, the ability to do RDS servers to publish apps and publish desktops. And um, there was a huge lack of adoption there because they were missing a lot of features, but they played catch up on that in uh, 2014, 2015, and added a lot of features to the RDS product. Um, they also acquired uh, Amedio earlier this year, which we hinted at earlier, and um, gives them a more robust uh, UEM solution included in Horizon now. 
So uh, that was included in Horizon Enterprise. Um, probably will replace persona management at some point in the future. Um, no official word there, but uh, that'd be my guess. Uh, but it gives you more um, more custom customization for the user. But it is also not limited to just virtual desktops and client operating systems. It could be physical desktop, virtual desktop, um, RDS server, whatever you need. Um, and also Windows 10 support across all of their products. Although I'd say a little asterisk next to Mirage. Um, but uh, Windows 10 fully supported with ThinApp, App Volumes, Horizon, etc. But you saw a ton of fantastic leadership um, from Sean Bass, Harry Labana, Sanjay Poonin, and Noah Wasmer um, across all of their products. And uh, just we just cannot uh, cannot congratulate them enough. It was just uh, a fantastic year for them. Any any, any thoughts? On uh, on that so far, I couldn't agree with you more. I think if there was the kicking ass and taking names award for 2015, it'd be VMware. Um, as you mentioned, the, the the talent they have is just phenomenal. Harry Labana, Sean Bass. I I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Noah yet. Uh, and so I, I I got I experienced Sanjay Poonin live in in VMworld uh, Europe, and he is a phenomenal presenter he just you know he had the room in his hand when he was presenting so yeah it there for me they are they are the person to watch next year personally uh in in, in the in the you know traditional desktops and apps space uh you know the the, the value that they have in there with rdsh with app volumes with Amedio. sure there's feature parity gaps sure but every single release that they release they take a machete to that list and they keep knocking it down and carrying on forward. If if it carries on that the way they're going, it, it's shaping up to be a big year. Yeah, I would second what you're saying, Andy, as well. You know, they've had a great year, and they're probably the ones to watch this year to see what they do. And you know, looking forward to the next release because, like you said, they're just closing that gap and even bringing new things up too as well um, within their product stack. Yeah, I would say the one thing that uh, we didn't see from them enough this year was progress on Project Enzo. Boo. Uh, Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, Project Enzo is VMware's next generation VDI platform. And, uh, you know, it's talked about quite a bit. Um, it is in private beta um, as of late Q4 2015. But uh, hopefully we'll see more. We'll see more of it earlier this year. Um, supposedly, it's going to be uh, GA in Q1, but uh, I don't know if I don't know if that'll come to light or not. Uh, yeah, I, I I I'm not sure either. I think the promise originally was Q4, so that's been that's flown by us like a like a jet plane now. But um, I don't really care about Enzo. I don't really want a proprietary piece of hardware linking into the cloud. I just want just I just want JIT. I just want Fargo. I just want live clones of VMs with no provisioning time. That's what I really want. And either either get your act together, guys, and and remove the hardware aspect of it, and just give us JIT in the next release, or hurry the hell up <laughs> for me. And you know, I mean that the nicest way possible. I have not been excited about a piece of technology, or not understood how a piece of technology can either exist as much in years as Fargo. It's just mind blowing how they're going to do this. So I am I am I am like a child waiting for chocolate at this stage. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I would, I've I've heard mixed results on whether that will uh, the just-in-time desktops will come to Horizon or if that will be an Enzo-only feature. Um, if if they're smart, they will bring that to Horizon, but I would imagine that's going to be uh, quite an endeavor to do. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, at at the present, I mean, you can live clone VMs with the with the SDK. It's just it doesn't support the provisioning piece for Windows, and you know, it, there's a couple of other caveats in there that are a bit nasty. But uh, yeah, I'd I'd hope that the, the the decouple occurs quicker, personally. But yeah, no. Either way, I I, I echo your sentiments, sir. Right. I would say uh, some of the big things to watch for from VMware this year are the continued improvement of app volumes in UEM and kind of a, almost a, a marriage of those two products at some point. Um, I know they seem very different, but in order to complete Harry Labana's workspace environment management, I think you're going to see those two uh, lines get a bit get a bit blurry. Um, but they're already starting to improve those products quite a bit. And, and with several of the feature enhancements to app volumes this year, for example, um, app volume replication between different storage groups uh, can can potentially help with the disaster recovery aspect of app volumes, although admittedly they've still got a long way to go there. Um, but uh, you're also going to see a big focus on physical desktops from VMware. Um, they announced the project A squared, and um, they uh, A squared is uh, basically using AirWatch to manage physical devices and app volumes to attach applications to those physical devices. Um, Noah talked about that uh, a little bit at VMworld, and uh, I think we're going to see. Hopefully, we'll see that later this year. Um, uh, no idea if that'll actually happen. And we'll also see um, some tighter integration with AirWatch and Horizon and also expanding into some of their data center products like NSX. Um, the ability to use NSX security to uh, apply secure networks to AirWatch devices and Horizon devices, which would be very interesting. Fascinating, in fact. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that. Bridging that gap between mobile and data center will is definitely one to watch. Um, I, uh, even tighter integration between AirWatch and Horizon would be welcome to me. Um, the A squared piece, I, I'd, I'd echo what you said there as well. There was a lot of wireframes going on with A squared, and we didn't see much of it from that point onwards. But what I liked about A squared as well, I think we've hit this point before, is that it gives you an, an, another packaging option where you're not relying on standard packaging options to get your applications out the door. I mean, if A squared is delivered in a way that I think it's going to be delivered. It means you package your application in one place, and then off you go with your life. You know, it's 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 a it's, it's a it's a good piece of technology, and I hope I hope it moves forward. Um, uh, so, so one thing that we did want to cover off was the the too much question. I mean, we've seen some promises get missed by VMware now. We've seen some some wireframes uh, demos of of new products coming at a later point. I mean, is there a good feel here that maybe they're trying to do too much, and that's why they're missing gaps? With, with that, what, what do you think of that statement? You know, I think it's. I think part of that is um, not enough communication between the different groups within VMware. Um, you know, I think uh, like we like everybody saw that there were a lot of QA issues with vSphere this year, 
I think at one point earlier, uh, early and or halfway through 2015, if you were on 5.5 update two, at one point there was not a release for you to upgrade to that was that was free of bugs, which was kind of kind of sad. Um, so I think that's one example of you know the, the different business units not communicating enough, and uh, so I'm wondering if. Maybe that's what's causing it. But, yeah, I would say they, they've got a lot of vision right now. It'll be interesting to see if they uh, if they can execute. Yeah, I, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd agree on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish them the very best, obviously, because I, I'm really liking what they're doing. And I'm, or I think we're all rowing the boat behind them to see what kind of innovation they're going to bring next. So, yeah, I'd echo that. Um Okay, so I mean, from a from from a Netherlands point of view, you guys are always miles ahead of the rest of Europe. I mean, did, how was how was Horizon interest been for you guys? Um, so I'm I'm seeing um I think it's a fifty fifty percent um uh, between Horizon and uh, and 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 Citrix uh, Zendesk and Um I'll echo the words from from Thomas where. Um, the innovation that VMware did in the RDSH piece will will boost their uh, their, their market share. Um, it was something that was lacking. A lot of people were just ignoring it, um, and now we're seeing a lot of traction on on that part and and having the the, the VDI uh, um, solution in place with all the additional benefits like app layering and 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 stuff that's coming. Um, I do think that um, that there will be a, a a lot of people watching the the Horizon space, um, and I do think that uh, AirWatch, Horizon, and NSX will will uh, be a unique selling point for uh, for for v- VMware. Yeah, uh, yeah I, would, I would agree with that as well. And if, if VMware can get that cross device management integration done right, you know that will get them a, a huge lead. Like I was saying earlier, um, you know, g- going across the different devices between mobile and, and desktops and getting all the integration and management, right? Any vendor that gets that first is going to have a huge lead on everyone else. Um, but transition from VMware, let's talk about Microsoft. So, um, you know, Microsoft's kind of, you know, changed their philosophy with, with a new hire, a CEO. Um, so they're, they're kind of the cool kids again. So, you know, Windows 10, you know, it's, got, it's gotten pretty big traction. Um, what do you guys see out there with Windows 10? I'm still only seeing it on personal devices. I, I don't see a massive enterprise interest personally, uh, um, but I do think it's it's definitely a topic to watch for next year. Yeah, I haven't seen you know, it yet was, was, on on the enterprise. I've also seen it on on personal. I've seen some like customers talking about it, you know, doing some testing, but they're they're still Windows Seven based. Yeah, I, I, I've seen mostly personal, but I was actually kind of surprised. In late Q4, I did start to see a handful of customers that had gone around and started to upgrade their desktops to Windows 10. Um, the feedback I got from customers, and, and I've seen the same thing in my personal devices, is that there isn't as as much of a, uh application compatibility hurdle going from Windows 7 to Windows 10 like we saw from XP to Windows 7. So that's enabling the upgrade to happen much easier now than than in previous upgrades. 
Yeah, no, I'd echo that. Yeah, the, I mean, the, our next, our next, our next big or big bang, like like uh, NT to two thousand or or XP to Windows Seven, is going to be a kernel change. And I don't. I, if we were to look at Microsoft's roadmap for 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 Windows Ten, it's it's you know it's the last operating system you're ever going to install. Apparently, so I'm not sure how how true that's going to be in ten years' time. But yeah, I think we're we're definitely going to see a. Uh, a state of of kind of pause or a state of of calm in the application compatibility world. Hopefully, as the upgrades go to Windows 10 and beyond. Well, um, looking at the, the 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 adoption of Windows 10 comparing to uh, to Windows 7, I thought I saw uh, saw an article earlier today that said that uh, Windows 10 adoption is still behind the Windows 7 adoption in the same time frame. Um, so I, I guess that's a, that's a validation of the things you guys just said about having having them on per, having Windows 10 on personal devices instead of corporate or enterprise devices. Um, I also noticed an article I think it was on Forbes earlier today that said that um, um, somebody claimed that Windows Windows 7 was way less secure than Windows 10, and the person claiming that was Microsoft themselves. Could that be? Driving the adoption. What do you guys think? Yeah, I suppose. And nothing like a bit of fear mongering to get people up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not as secure. So let's you know make sure you guys upgrade to Windows 10, the more secure operating system. Um, but you know, kind of moving on too. What about Office 365? Are you guys seeing a lot of traction with that? I know that's been a hot topic of uh, conversation for a lot of customers I work with um, doing the migrations and, and that kind of stuff. And I know some other pain point has been you know, using the Outlook and the online mode only um, or looking at trying to find some way to better use the cached exchange mode um, in their virtual desktop environment. I'd echo that. Office 365 is a phenomenal product. I mean, I, I moved my own personal business over to Office 365 this year and I, and I haven't looked back. I moved away from Gmail. It's it's a phenomenal offering, and from a consumer ability point of view, it does exactly what you want it to do. I don't think I've ever noticed an outage on the platform, despite the fact that I log into the admin panel every now and again and it tells me some services are degraded. I haven't noticed. It's yeah, it is a great offering. Uh, a lot of what I did see from an industry point of view is a lot of customers are getting are getting heavy handed by Microsoft and license audits and being encouraged to upgrade to Office three six five as part of their true up, which uh, which is well, you know it's clever. You know, it's it's a good way for Microsoft to push their licensing forward. Um, that's good, but yet to echo what what you've uh, what you've said there, Jay, there's a couple of components that in Office 365 from a business point of view that are kicking my ass at the moment. It's <clears throat> Exchange in the cloud and ZenApp or Zen Desktop and handling that OST file. What do you do? What you don't do? I'd say. If I was to estimate, I'd say 30% of my time this year has been helping customers with that. And then the other one is OneDrive for Business because it's free. It's really, really kicking my ass with Sharefile and, and Zen Mobile because it's hard to argue down a okay product for a really good product when the okay product is free. Andy, I, I heard you saying that you haven't noticed any outages, but um, if if my memory uh, serves me correct, there has been two major outages of Azure services um, where one of them... Um, um, resulted in uh, in a degraded state of uh, Azure logons, which meant that you couldn't log on to Office 365 anymore. And I think that that blackout period took maybe six hours, eight hours, something like that. And 
not not long after that, I think it was two or three weeks, there was another outage. So um, although I, I'm a big fan of Office 365, um, I, I, I really like it. I've, uh, like you, I've got my personal account on it. I've got my business account on it. Um, but it does seem like the, the outages, they, they do say something about cloud matureness and, and being like relying on things that are in, hosted in that same cloud. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's fair to say, you know, with, with, the, with the cloud stuff, you know, making sure that uptime's there, the availability of service, you know, uh, those type of things. But, um, you know, I also, just like you guys, my business runs on 365 as well. And I just started using the the new Skype um, for business cloud PBX for, for my, uh, my, my phone for my business now too, which has been working pretty well also. You were about to say something, Andy? I no, I just echo. I, I it's, yeah. I mean, look, any no platform can grow exponentially and not suffer outages. It's just the way it is, you know. But uh, personally, I know the outages happened. It didn't affect my life one iota, nor did anybody I work with notice. So um, yeah, no, it's it's it is what it is, you know. But um, yeah, I, I I it's definitely one to it's it's not even one to watch. It's just it's there, you know, and people are moving to it. And for all accounts, personally, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Except for SharePoint. SharePoint sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't use a SharePoint piece either. Um, so, you know, what about Intune? Um, you know, we, we, we touched on it earlier, and I said, you know, they had the Mac support, kind of one of the first ones to do it. And Microsoft's interesting with Intune because you're, you're kind of seeing, you know, configuration manager possibly moving there. Um, and you're also seeing that, you know, a lot of their applications, they're going to have that control over. So, it's going to be interesting to see if they lock any other vendors out uh, of doing certain things with their applications or make it for their platform only. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a lock-in, isn't it? I mean, I think every EMM vendor under the sun wants access to that Office suite on uh, on iOS and Android. But because it's an Intune, it's it's a big lock-in, you know. And uh, that's fair enough, you know. Uh, I, it's... Intune is Intune is there. It's getting aggressive. You know, it's a Microsoft solution. It ties into everything else. You know, uh, as Thomas mentions, you know, it's been bundled in licensing as well. You know, you got Azure AD. You've got Azure itself. You know, Microsoft is a phenomenal behemoth now, and I did not expect the growth this year, that or last year that we that we saw at all. Uh, they they really kind of um, they really surprised me, which is good. Yeah, so um, I know this is going to be one for uh, Andy to kind of scuff off, but the the Surface um, products, um, you know, the Surface Pro, the Surface Book, you know, lots of sales, a lot of people going for the Surface Pro 4, um, those type of things. You know, I looked at them a little bit, but of course I didn't go with them. What do you guys have seen out there and what are your thoughts? So, you know, we mentioned Microsoft are the cool guy again, and, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of corny, but they actually are. You know, they... they, they On they, software. They, they, they are. I mean, as despite how bad a, uh, an experience I had with my Surface, I'm actually looking at them again um, for a couple of reasons, and it's uh, maybe i'm just a, i'm just a wandering fanboy and i i like shiny things and i i i i i dig sales pitches more than i actually dig the hardware but the surface has a lot to be said for it you know and um i i'm i'm starting to to back out of my avid hatred for the product and i'm starting to look at it again so that'll wow. tell you what i think 
you know, I, I think I've said before on the podcast, I'm, I'm a Surface Pro user and I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of customers adopt them as well. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do to manage these devices? And, uh, you know, we, we need something to manage these, these Windows devices that aren't on our domain. And so um, they're starting to, you know, starting to want to manage those with AirWatch and manage those with, with Intune so that they can keep track of them. And um, so it, it is an interesting kind of uh, way to get those products into the market. But, um, you know, I, I think it's they're great products. And I think that's going to lead to somewhat of a, a, a blend of Intune and SCCM. So I think that'll be something interesting to watch in uh, 2016. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Are we ever going to see uh, Vizio for Mac? You know, you, you, we've seen everything else coming with the new Microsoft and the, the changes and, and stuff, but are we ever going to see Vizio for Mac? Can we have it pretty, 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 please? Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with Case more. I want it so damn bad at this point. It's not even funny. Like, I hate having to remote to a de- to a Windows desktop just to use Visio because it's just completely pointless. Do I think Microsoft will do it? No, disappointingly. Um, I, I would love it, though. I mean, to have a project. I mean, who uses project other than product ma- project managers? Uh, but, uh, you know, Visio is, is, is a tool for, for, for the techies, you know, and I really wish they would. Yeah, I've yet to find a replacement for Mac to kind of really replace it. But, you know, a good alternative I found has been to use PowerPoint and then just to use the the PNG files that Microsoft offers with the Visio download stencils. (laughs) That's a good way of doing it. I like that, actually. Yeah, it's not not as elegant, but it works. Yeah. Nobody tried the OmniGravel alternative? I didn't like it. Honestly, I didn't like the look of it. It, was, it felt clunky to me. <laughs> it wasn't shiny enough, Andrew. Yeah, it was not that it wasn't shiny enough. I mean, at the moment, if I had if I had two thousand dollars burning a hole in my pocket, which I don't, I have kids after all. But if I did, um, I would currently be weighing up whether to buy a MacBook, uh, a new MacBook twelve inch with Skylake, or whether I'd buy a a Surface Pro again, uh, and that that'll tell it all. So that that's Microsoft for my rounding. Uh, they have well and truly won me back from watching them this year. So uh, yeah. So what about Server twenty sixteen? Or sorry, not Server twenty sixteen, but in twenty sixteen, do we think that um, Microsoft's going to be a threat? Um, I think, you know, with a lot of the stuff they're doing in 2016, um, I think they're they're closing the gap on needing some additional products and going to make people look at them a lot harder, especially when we talked about, you know, the the hyper-converged um, piece earlier and people looking at other products being, being too expensive, um, along with, um, you know, still people looking at RDS as, as a good alternative than going to the, the higher-end solutions. I think um, I think VMware know exactly how much of a threat Microsoft are. I think VMware and AirWatch are, are well up to speed. I think personally, I think Citrix are being a bit naive. Um, I think they're Microsoft are the, are the person that you need to fight against because I mean Microsoft has always kind of been happy to be um, good enough, if that's fair. And then you have your additional vendors who want to do it better. But Microsoft have shifted this year in a big way into offering good 
good value products, you know, and they're entrenched in enterprise. They're everywhere. Try to get Microsoft out of an enterprise. It just doesn't happen, first of all. And second of all, for the smaller, less cash uh, fluent um you know, organizations maybe in education or healthcare or anything like that, their pricing and licensing is just so damn hard to beat. You know, um, they're, they're, they are a phenomenal threat to everybody in this market. Yes, they um, are. I, Go ahead, sorry. I, I was agreeing with you. If, if, if everybody realizes this, I mean, um, Sophie Ember is, is keeping Microsoft close. Um, obviously, they, they were at VMworld hugging each other on stage. Um, so that for the outside world, that looks really good. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, if, if, if the folks at Citrix realize that they can be an enemy as well. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. You know, you got to kind of, you know, kind of keep your, your friends close, keep your enemies closer and, you know, don't, don't sleep or beat not even Microsoft because, you know, there's going to be a lot of use cases where they're not going to need anyone else besides just having the Microsoft solution in there. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on, um, Especially with them, you know, continuing to add more and more features um, to their products with with every new OS release. Couldn't agree more. I mean, so Microsoft, I think it's unanimous. They are a threat. They are a big threat, and they're they're one to watch. Uh, even just in the improvements that we saw in Windows Server 2016. So I mean, if we were to look at the things that we should probably be looking at in 2016, um, Windows Server 2016 for me is is poignant. Um, from an RDS point of view, I think we're going to see some serious scalability issues resolved. Um, and you know, playing on that as well, I am going to go on record and say we are going to see DAS this year from from Azure. Um, I would be very confident to say that. Daz is on the on the horizon, and I, I'm I'm. Ah, uh, that's a good one. I'm almost certain. Um, I'm almost certain Microsoft will uh will, will move it over. You know, so um, I mean, look, Windows 10 is already in the Azure catalog. So once they get a better scalability broker, <laughs> Server 2016, um, what's stopping them from doing it themselves? So is are you saying that Daz in Azure is going to happen in? 2016 or DAS period is going to happen in 2016. So both actually. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, what Microsoft are doing is that Azure is a, is a great platform and they're improving on it every day. It's not the best platform out there, but it's good, you know. And again, because every enterprise has Microsoft agreements and Azure has been given as, as credits, you know, it's there and available. So um, DAS in Azure for me is what I see happening. But in order for Microsoft to do that, they need to change their licensing. So when and I say when they change their licensing to suit what they're trying to do, it'll open it up to everybody else as well. That's my prediction for 2016. We're going to see DAS come out, and we're going to see Microsoft relax its licensing to suit itself and allow other people to play when they're ready. Yep, and I, I've been thinking the same thing all along. You know, Microsoft will will change the licensing once they're ready and once they have a solution that, that that's already go to market ready. So it'll be interesting to see when that happens and the adoption of it and what the other players do. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, really, Azure is, is, is one to watch. Because as we've mentioned already, it's entrenched in the enterprise. It's good. You've got Express Root. You've got all of these additional services coming up in it. Um, it's just, it's becoming, it's becoming, it's just becoming one of those things that people are going to be do, are doing. Uh, would would you guys agree with that? I mean, I, I'm not sure that, I think the licensing is part of it. But I think that there are still a lot of technical reasons why we're not seeing the DAS adoption that we expected. 
Um, you've got the whole hairpinning aspect of you, you just moved your desktop away from your apps when you went through hell a couple years ago to move your desktop close to your apps, um, except for the customers that have a primarily SaaS-based workload. Those customers, I think, Daz makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, outside of that, I, I don't know. It's it doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, um, to add to that, Thomas, that um, so my previous employer was uh, was big on Daz, uh, or still big on Daz, and um, having your desktop as a service doesn't mean that your applications are still running on prem while your uh, desktop is running in a in a different data center. Um, you can have uh, hosted applications and hosted desktops in the same data center as as being a service in in um, as as a total. So um, changing that licensing could be big for uh, providers that can host applications as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a Thomas. Maybe just answer your question. Maybe it's maybe it's a it's a maturity versus startup um, mindset as well. I mean, as you mentioned, a lot of customers have gone to the bother of doing this already to put a you know uh, what I would call legacy A for beside legacy B in order to to, to make throughput better. But as 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 the world goes web and as you know startups come out of the woodwork and just want to consume a desktop and start building in cloud instead of building on premises or whatever way you want to pronounce that in the building, let's just say. Uh, I think you know it's a it's. Uh, I think maybe that's what will drive adoption in the first year or two is people who are, have a green field or can can quickly lever, leverage Azure for some of their of their critical apps. So yeah, I, I absolutely heed what you're saying, uh, but I, I just think there are side use or infringe use cases there where people can be faster to to move stuff up. So what else uh, should we watch for next year? You know, we mentioned Unidesk having their big announcement. Um, next week during, during summit, what other kind of things are you guys looking forward to watch in 2016? I'm I'm really curious about all the um, the, the additional stuff that's going to be released in the workspace cloud. Um, as said, uh, it's going to be a cloud first um, deployment mechanism from Citrix. So everything that's going to be released in uh, in CWC should eventually. Um, run up in um uh, in an on-prem version as well so i'm i'm really really looking forward to all the um, all the, the the additional features that are coming in uh, in cwc oh yeah i'd echo that too i think cwc is as we mentioned is something to watch for uh personally the one i'm really watching for this month is uh, control up insights uh, release um i've been watching this cloud-based kind of monitoring such you know reporting platform that control have been been building for the last couple of months and it is with no with no uncertainty, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and it has so much potential. Um, if you haven't looked at Control Up Insight yet, the level of information or data you're going to be able to store up in the cloud, comparisons against other organizations you may be able to run, the the the, the platform is just unending. Um, from a from a, a, a functionality point of view, the way I see it going. So, if you haven't already looked at Control Up or Control Up Insights, there is a podcast happening with. Um, with uh, our friend over Eric over in Zenapp Blog, uh, where y- Yoni is going to be on talking to him about the release. So check that out, and we are going to have Yoni on in the next couple of weeks to uh, to have a chat with him about uh, insights on this release as well. So keep an eye out for that one. I think the biggest thing that I'm I'm looking forward to in the the near future 
is um, the the newest release of Unidesk. Um, it you know without without breaking any NDA or anything, there there are going to be some some major features there that are they're going to be uh, very very useful for both VMware and Citrix. Um, so I think I'm I'm very excited about the stuff that they're working on. Um, I think that's a really what they have today is a really cool product, but uh, it's going to get even better. Okay, uh, yeah, no, I'd I'd I'd, I'd agree with that, and it's it, uh, you know Jerry and obviously knows more than he's letting on that devil but uh yeah no i'm watching it closely to see what happens there um one of the other questions of course is the dell emc deal i mean there was some turbulence towards the end of the year on whether it could happen or not even from a legalities point of view so it'll be one to watch to see whether that deal does actually close just because of the sheer size of it and the amount of money that's been poured into on both sides so uh keep an eye on that one and let's see what happens there you know also too you know what's going to happen with citrix you know whether it be acquired you know, are they going to bring in or who they're going to bring in for the new CEO? And it was kind of funny because I think it was like a few weeks ago that uh, Mark T had a tweet picture of him and uh, Brad Anderson together, who's kind of been the the main guy from Microsoft working with Citrix. So there was a lot of people talking about, well, is he the next CEO type thing? So it'd be good to see, you know, who they bring in um, also along with um, if they get acquired or if they break off any parts um so to see what happens with Citrix this year, keep an eye out for that. Also, um, you know, Nano Server, kind of seeing what are the more use cases for that. You know, we've seen like DNS, we've seen um, Hyper-V, um, you know, file storage, you know, nodes, that kind of stuff. Um, I mentioned back on our podcast with Microsoft about RDS is that it'd be neat to see if they could do something around the RD gateway as a Nano Server as well to kind of... Um, shrink that uh that service of, of that product as well do you guys see any other use cases out there on the nano side of things it kind of this kind of doubles back to to server core to me i was very excited about server core when it first came out then when i looked at it and i looked at the the, the limited possibilities and the fact that it had command prompt before everything else um i kind of went yeah that's interesting but sucks so yeah i'm curious to see what what what's going to happen with nano uh, I i think it's just a further extension of that and i think like anything else as it as it, as it matures it'll it'll have more use cases as server core did as well but for now it's uh, yeah, i think it's going to be a little bit of a toy personally okay so what do you guys think um needs to be fixed this year anyone care to tick on that printing it just keeps coming up again. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a what grinds your my gears session for a minute. Printing needs to be fixed. It's just, it doesn't matter how long we work in this industry. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how long the vendors promise Citrix support or VMware support or whatever. There is just no good way to do this. You know, it, it's gotten better. Don't get me wrong. Universal print drivers from vendors has helped. You know, the universal print drivers from Citrix and you know the Cortago piece from VMware helps. But it's still not fixed. I would just wish somebody from a printing background would stand up and go, hey, guys, let's just bang our heads together until we come up with a standard that we all follow and stop doing crazy shit. But really, though, who needs to print anymore? Save some trees. You know, we have enterprise um, file share and, and sync, and we also have, you know, electronic signature. So why need to print anymore? Save some trees. Um, well, take it from me. I need to print off every invoice that I could send to me, including your ones, Jay. So <laughs> it's, a, it's it would be love to go. I'd love to go paperless, but until then, somebody fix printing for God's sake. Case, what needs to be fixed this year? Licensing, pretty pretty please. Oh, and and uh, physio for Mac. 
video for Mac and licensed. I, I, yeah, I, I'd echo those sentiments. Uh, licensing, well, pretty much across the board. I mean, I, Citrix licensing is a pain in the bum. Microsoft licensing is a pain in the bum. There's no standards behind us. You know, some people like core, some people like user, some people like device. Like, just sort it out, please. Speaking of licensing, I just want to be able to have a single ZenApp Zen Desktop 7.x site and have different license types across that based on catalog or delivery group or policy, whatever, not having to stand up different environments because of that. Please fix that. Thomas, what do you want fixed this year? I'd like to see monitoring fixed. I'm tired of needing one product to monitor the infrastructure, one product to monitor the user sessions, another product to monitor the clients. Um, I want to see a product that can monitor everything that the EUC admin needs to needs to see. Um, I'm not sure that product's going to exist in 2016, but that's that's what I want to see fixed. Couldn't agree with you more. And I, I'd even, yeah, I, I mean, UEM was one of those applications as well that you kind of had a different product for X, Y, or Z, and I think people are starting to look at that. But monitoring, you'd think in this day and age that it would be resolved, and yeah, I'd also like that fixed. That's a that's a good point there, Thomas. Thank you. Um, okay, well, look, the, the, we, we have run vastly out of time, and uh, this has been fantastic. So, Thomas, case, thank you very much as always for being our, you know, our, our uh, esteemed guests on this uh, on what was this year in EUC. Um, yeah, so uh, just to close down, uh, thank you very much to our sponsors as ever for being awesome. Uh, Liquidware Labs, FS Logics, and Control Up, we love you. Uh, and I'll hand back to Jay to close down. Yes, uh, again, Thomas and in case, thank you again, and to all of our listeners, um, happy New Year! Um, we wish you a great 2016. Uh, thank you for listening to the Frontline Cheddar Podcast for Andrew and myself. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.